this is old school Middle Earth shit. My name is Matthew Kroll. And it was just me and The Rock. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Uncut. Shing, 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 shing. None of that. Gems. Okay, yeah. Uncut gems. No, that's true. Yeah. The gem in the film is uncut. But what isn't uncut, what is smooth and angular and crushed like a like like a like a, 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 a million years of film knowledge crammed uh, all this earth and rock crammed into it into a uh, a crystallized entity filled with just overwhelming this is opinion <laughs> and fact. We have a guest today, Shane. Yeah, we do. We do. I thought you really were about to talk about his dick, by the way. Whose dick? Yeah, his dick. Our the guest? Guy, yeah, the guy that would be about. very rude for yeah, me to talk weird, about his awkward, dick. Right? It would be really rude to keep talking about his dick before we said his name. And while he was in the room, we just like... And just keep, I mean... Just ignoring him. Yeah. Hey, Brandon. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> Brandon Ripley's with us. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, so about no, 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 your no, don't dick. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. And we really, we really had to go there because we had a very awesome and respectful uh, episode last week about Little Women. Yes. And now, it, this is what we, we are. are off. Yeah. Brandon has joined us. Brandon, I'm so happy to have you back on the show. The last time you were on was for our American Honey episode. That's You're up on the wall. You're uh, right there. Oh. There I am. Yeah. yeah. Brandon Ripley uh, is a fantastic cinematographer who I've worked with for probably the last 10 years now, I think, at this point. God, um, has it been that long? It has been that um, long, and oh, every man. year is agonizing. Oh. <laughs> um, no, but he, uh, Brandon is a fantastic uh, filmmaker, cinematographer. Uh, you've got a short film coming out very shortly, right? I that you do. just shot I uh, do. over you the summer. I still haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. You sent me a cut, but then as soon as you sent me the cut, you said... By the way, just ignore that cut. I'll get you another one. And then I didn't oh, see the second okay. one. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I was going to say, it'd be a real dick move, no pun intended, to go back to the beginning for him to send you a cut and yeah. not watch. No, I, I started watching it, but then he texted me while I was watching That's it. That's a said, lie. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I did have start watching it. <laughs> He's fact checking. Like the goddamn impeachment trial. It turns out, yes, that is a lie. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> um, well, it took you like two weeks and we were, had, were working on a second cut. So I was like, yeah. Why don't you just wait for that second cut? Yeah, fair enough. But Brandon, uh, you, you know, I'm trying to think about the first time we met and uh, the way we started working together. And I think the quality, there's two qualities. Obviously, you're fantastic at what you do. Like every image you make is beautiful, and everyone acknowledges this. And yeah, 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 we all get it. Um, wow, <laughs> we, we have, I can get that. Like that, just that excerpt, like sent to me. Do you want it tattooed want, and yes, a tasteful yes. part on your butt, perhaps your side stomach? Just anytime we're on set, I'm yeah. going to play that. Clip yeah. Oh, because because the other thing about okay, the other thing about Brandon and I's di- uh, my dynamic is that we do yell at each other a lot, right? Like, or oh well, gee, I know <laughs> I know nothing about that. Well, well, we yell at each other on set. I feel like we had the, we have the same uh, relationship that uh, the Safdie brothers have with our <laughs> cinematographer on this because I was actually Darius Kanji. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> and there was a lot of butting heads, but yeah. um, he's a lot older than them though as well. They're like thirty four. He's like sixty seven. I think you're sixty seven years old. Yeah, yeah, but you and I, the, I, the, what? There's a you're thing kind of like really old too, right? Yeah, I am pretty yeah. old. You're pretty old. <laughs> Sixty-seven. Yeah, right about that age. But no, what, one of the qualities I actually love about uh, working with Brandon on set is that we do we it, it's we do yell at each other, but in a kind of way that is like we're both passionate. Yeah. We both care about what we're doing. Yeah, and respectful. <laughs> we're not both, just phoning. You both in. don't know how to how yeah. to like correctly communicate. So you just yell at each other. Yeah, yeah we yeah. do yell at each other. But it's like that fun... It's, no, it's not fun because we are genuinely yelling at each other. But like, there's a quality I think that I... At least I hope you get from me, which is that like, even if we've yelled at each other all day, 
at the end of it, I'm still going to mess with you. And you're, you know, like we're For still sure. going to like make jokes at each other. I've never been on set with the both of you at the same time. But what I imagine it is like, and you can tell me if this is correct, is the exact type of engage, the, the engagement that that uh, SNL sketch with uh, Casey Affleck about Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, uh, cut your nails, for Christ's sake! <laughs> no? Well, if anyone's listening, <laughs> onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. At the end of this episode, please let me know if you think that their dynamic is that sketch. <laughs> um, but you you emailed, uh, you texted me and called me and were like, uh, have you done uh, Uncut Jams? Okay, yeah. uh, if you haven't, I need to come on and talk about this movie. So you yeah. were excited about this movie. And, I, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's not just because Darius Kanji shot it. Well, so... Honestly, my least favorite thing about this film was the cinematography. Really? Yeah. Which, oh. which I want to talk to you guys about because um, it's not your typical, like, oh my gosh, this is like a painting. You don't look at each frame and dissect it and go, this is masterful filmmaking. It When it all comes together, though, and it works with the story and the tone of the film, then it works. And um, it kind of has like a documentary feel to it when you're watching. It doesn't feel like... Everything was planned out, and every shot was rehearsed. And I actually listened to a podcast with um, the P.T. Anderson, yeah, yeah, yeah and they just discussed that they would light 360 because he wanted to have the actors have like free range in each scene, and uh, that's challenging as a, as a cinematographer. And so, um, yeah. but but the cinematographer Darius Kanji is like one of the greats. You know, like he shot Seven, he shot Delicatessen, I believe. You know, right. he shot, you know, like he is uh, while he was shooting. This he went off to I think it was Poland with P.T. Anderson and he shot Anima. Um, you, have you seen that uh, Tom York uh, P.T. Anderson uh, music mm. video that was on Netflix? I that's like shot. I think they shot it on the RE65, so it's really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was shooting that while they were still coloring this film as well, which is, int- you know, like that and sounds nerve wracking. It sounds really nerve wracking, but it's also like what you know P.T. Anderson kind of like gets excited by is the fact that they got this guy who's like one of the most established kind of um, you know been in the game forever, you yeah. know, most respected right. cinematographers of all time, uh, with these two like punk thirty four year olds who are like And they got him to step out of his comfort zone. Because, yeah. Which I think is tough. Um yeah, for any like he is this, you know. Yeah. Almost famous cinematographer. I mean he shot Seven, so yeah. You know, like Seven is kind of the high watermark for uh, I think for a lot of cinematographers, because it, it's it's not the quality of the camera movement in that film; it's the quality of the lighting in that film, and I think the production design, you know, contributes to all of that. But you know, like Seven famously had that silver nitrate process, which he he and David Fincher had worked on. Yeah. Um. And and you know, like it is it, it that movie kind of burns itself into your psyche. I think there's a funny story, and uh, someone can correct me about this if I'm uh, if I'm wrong, but um. Fincher was working with him on Panic Room. And if you watch the credits for Panic Room, there are two listed cinematographers there. And what happened was was that um, Fincher kind of got rid of Darius Kanji halfway through. As far as I understand, I might be besmirching his name at this point. But, but the reason being, and this, this Fincher kind of talked about this uh, in, in quite a bit of detail. He said, there's a distinction between making a film and making a movie. And he said, Darius wanted to make a film, and I wanted to make a movie. Um, and that, and he, and he, and he said th- he was talking about how like there's this quality to what Darius does that is very different to what he wanted for the film, which is it, which has to do with I think you know that that um, uh, you know like trying to find a the either the narrative quality of the of the image or trying to find just the sort of pleasurable what does it look like quality. That's interesting because. Um Darius had said to the staff director, because I want to make the movie that you guys want to make, right. not the movie that I want to make. Which, yeah. Um, yeah. So which maybe softened over time. Yeah. yeah. So what what do we think he meant 
if we had to extrapolate with that example of a, a film versus a movie well, in, in, for, in that perspective, because I know what I would say, but I'm just uh, well, Tell me what you would say, because um, I think I have a direct answer. Uh, there's no difference. Da, really? da, 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 da. It's the so, medium. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's... I think there's a difference. The, the, I mean, uh, well, here's the deal. If you'd like to talk about a film being shot on film, then yes, that is a film. You've filmed something with film. Therefore, it is a film. It, now, things now then we get into a real semantical argument, which would be like, okay, but if a film was shot on digital video, is it a film? Like that, that's nothing about what what Fincher is talking about. I know, about. but yeah. you asked what I was, so that's yeah. what I'm talking about. But, what but, do you uh, think but, Fincher was talking w- about? Well, no, no, but also, do you, do you think Fincher is wrong because of your interpretation of that? Uh, not because of my interpretation of that, but yes. Okay, uh, what what do you think it is, Brandon? <sighs> I'm going to use Adam Sandler here. Yeah, uh, like I would say that. Um, Big Daddy is a movie. Uh, Punch Drunk Love is, is a film. film. That's now, exactly I mean, what. That's, that's exactly okay, so what Fincher Now describe about. to me the. I, I understand they are two very different feeling movies, but to me, one is serious with sort of. Um, one is aimed to entertain the masses, where one is made in, with the intention of we're making art, and you know oh. this is the film I want to make, and it's not just and we're trying to. So put it's gatekeeping. Well, that's the way you want to describe it, but I, I think well, that's how it was just described, right? Well, no, but see, Fincher is describing it in this way because he made um, he had made previously t- uh, to Panic Room. I think he'd made the game in Seven, and he said, "I want to make a film that is purely entertaining. I want to make something that is just like insane." And the way he d- makes that distinction is, "I want to make a movie versus I want to make a film." So, if you're making a movie, your only goal is to entertain. Where if you're making a film, you really want to make them think. Yeah. And you can take, I think you can take I think you can take <laughs> really? like bolder yeah, I, I think, think you can take dumb. bolder you know um, risks in a film uh, in his interpretation yeah, and, yeah. and the way he's using that basically like, that argument to th- those that verbiage to dis- to distinguish between the two types of things he's making I like, think I think it's uh, 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 and this is just my opinion I, yeah. I'm not I don't plan on convincing anybody here maybe listening I have no idea but that's a very pretentious way to look at uh, the the craft of making a movie. You are using different tools to invoke different emotions. You are using the same medium. It, it, it's the same thing. If it's and, and, and yeah, again you, you in my what? vernacular, yeah. if it's playing in a movie theater, it has a theatrical release or even you know uh, film circuits, etc. Or, or you know, um, it's a film that there's no. You know what I think? It, um, um, what I think is happening. Hmm. Is that you're limiting the word movie to being only the medium, and he's using it figuratively uh, and metaphorically. Right, but but do you see? And, how... and is that a problem if he's using the language? Well, figurative? it's 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 sort of under. It's and again, I go back to the term gatekeeping. Right. Like if I this is a Who's movie he gatekeeping for... it from. Uh, well, I was saying if if one is for the masses and just entertainment, and one is for like, you know, the the the. The intellectual, but like it's sort of like, well, okay, well, this movie it, it instantly makes an uh, um, a, a grouping of what who a movie is for. Now, granted, anyone can choose to sort of be in that thing, but there's no reason there's no reason to do that. What you're you're basically saying a uh, um, a complex, thought provoking film versus a film that is just out to entertain. Which at that point, just say that. There, but, but, it's it's a weird sort of uh, I don't know it's odd. But that's the way he's using the language, right? Like, and he's, he's, I, and he's I, also he at Fincher in that quote was talking about two of his own works. Sure, and again, <laughs> I, I just think I think it's an odd way I'm to do pl- it. While we while we're uh, no, no, it's fine. On, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the quote just so just so we're not uh, besmirching but, for yeah, no yeah. for no reason. Again, yeah, I, ex- I love David Fincher. I, he's much smarter about uh, creating film than I. I just think that terminology is um, incorrect. 
Okay. Um, so we are here to discuss Uncut James, which is a Safety Brothers film that I've been very excited about. One of the films that I was really disappointed that we didn't get to review last year was Good Time, which I did. So while I was away on vacation, I watched a bunch of movies, and two of them that I picked very specifically because I knew we were going to be doing Uncut James. One was the Meyerowitz stories, um, the Noah Baumbach film with Adam Sandler starring in it, um, and a Good Time, the Safety Brothers film. And I have to say, both were fantastic, phenomenal. Um, it was that um, the, 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 there was this sort of quality to watching. Uh, yeah, I, I guess they would make the distinction between film and movie at that point. But like the these two films that were like really articulate about trying to present an idea that was complicated. And and the 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 flip side of that was that the Safdie brothers with Good Time managed to do that in a way that was so propulsive. Like it was the did you did you either of you see Good Time at this point? I did not know. I uh, haven't. Good Time is such a thrill ride. It's it's essentially like poor man's John Wick. Like, and when I mean poor man, <laughs> I mean like really poor man. It's about these two brothers. One played by the uh, by I, I can't remember which. I think it's Josh Safdie. I could be wrong. Um, basically, one of them gets um, they 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 rob a bank uh, at the very start of the movie. One of them gets put in prison, and the other has to try and break him out over the course of one night. And the movie it's set in Queens, so it's a lot of local landmarks. But they they have this quality, which is that. They are telling both uh, an authentic and sincere story in terms of like time and place. Like this feels very much like a lived in Queens. You know, the cast of characters feels like people who, you know, it, it seems like they've just found them off the street kind of thing. Are they from, right. are the brothers from New York? They're from New York. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It shows. Yeah. And then, and at the same time, it's entirely propulsive. You know, like everything they do is like energetic. It's not like they don't sit and pause and hang out with these characters for very long. They mm -hmm. like put these characters into action. And there was just a quality. And, you know, I think the magic source to them so far, having only seen two of their five movies, and again, they're only 35 years old. So this is like, you know, these guys are, um, uh, I think um, someone described it as we're seeing their arc of their career playing out in real time right now. Um, is that, is that, um, they're, they're, one way I would describe them is they're not fucking around. <laughs> like, like when you watch their movies, there's this quality to it where you're like, these guys aren't fucking around. Like, they're not like out that. here trying to like experiment or anything. These guys aren't fucking around with their audience. They're, they're making like, the films they want to make. They're making the films they want to make and they're like throwing you in it. You know, like it's, it's up to you to catch up with them, not the other way around. Um, so I, I was just thrilled to kind of experience that for the first time. I'm really gutted we didn't get to see that um, on the big screen. Um, but I'm very thrilled to talk about this movie. So Matt, can you tell us what it's a boot? Oh, I, ooh, we're going to Canada for this one. Uh, IMDb says uh, Uncut Gems is about a charismatic New York City jeweler always on the lookout for the next big score makes a series of high-stake bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. Howard must perform a precarious high-wire act balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. That's a long IMDb. Birdie. That's the back of a DVD case. <laughs> That's a... All right. All right. I, I like, I like the different styles. Yeah. Um, accurate. Yeah, so Matt, I mean, this is your first time with the Safties. This is my, like, essentially only my second time with them. Sure. Um, what did you think of the film? Uh, I dug it. Uh, I, it's funny. I, I, this review is going to be a lot of half baked takes. Okay. Um, because I have a lot of emotional responses to the film, but I, I've had a hard time actually 
looking at it critically and I've actually like sat down and tried to think about it and wrote out a couple thoughts and all that jazz, but I eventually just got rid of them. Um, this movie is what I coined about a half hour after I saw it as a million dollar movie. And what I mean by that is despite what happens with the character, despite this, it doesn't really have anything to do with what the film showed me, but it's how the film made me feel, even though it shows dark shit, tragic shit, exciting shit, you know, it's a whole plethora of stuff. But I walked out of that film at the end of it, and I felt like I could, like, punch God in the face. Like, it was a weird, (laughs) it was a weird, like... I can do anything for like you get you know that weird sort of high you get when you see a film like a certain film where you just like your confidence is boosted up and like you're just walking with a little bit more swagger and it like lasts for a little while a couple other like ma- mainstream films have done this to, to like uh, Avengers Endgame did this uh, for to me but like it's this it's the the feeling you get after you walk out of a theater and you are energized and just ready to go and to take whatever life throws at you which is strange because of what happens in this movie doesn't really mm. it it, it kind of goes there but then it doesn't we'll get into that in spoilers you're lucky you didn't walk past the jewelry store on your way out because I'm sure you would have like, like <laughs> thrown a rock through and just like taken everything. Yeah, like, well, it's funny because I actually, normally I go in Queens, right? right. I go see uh, this because uh, I had dinner plans that fell through as I was on the subway and there was one playing at, uh, around Union Square. Right. So like I went there and I walked out and I, I when I left, I'm in the middle of New York City and I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And then so I- Cross and Max I, Brenner's, the chocolate place? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, the real heart of crime. <laughs> um, and, you know, I went and got a slice of pizza and like I just sort of like hung out for a minute and I'm like yeah fucking New York and yeah. like it's just that weird sort of vibe to it uh, and I think uh, Rana to your point the it is it is 100% the 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 direction and the like like you said they, they delayed it 360 right to try to like mm-hmm. make it so they could go anywhere this film like felt like it could go anywhere oh, right off the bat at you're all just times thrown in and yeah. it's like we start in Africa is that yeah, in, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah. Ethiopia? Um, yeah. And uh yeah, it just and I, I love I love a um th- th- Do you I don't get think... that feeling after riding a roller coaster? No. Okay. No. No, I do not. <laughs> I'm happy to be alive after a roller coaster. Okay. <laughs> um no, and, and like with the with the gem, the literal uncut gem, I love it's not a MacGuffin, because that's not what a MacGuffin is, but it's a it's it's a catalyst. Sure. And and I love it when a film focuses around a very distinct thing that is not like a mystery or unexplained. Like it's just there, there's like that is the thing that everything is around in the orbit. And you, there's multiple orbits. I mean, um, Howard, um, Adam Sandler's character has a lot of people in his orbit. Uh, but it just felt, felt so kinetic and so cool. Um, the score was amazing. Uh, the intro and outro of this movie are great. Like mm. Tony the Tiger, capital G, great. Yeah. Um, it just felt it felt wonderful to watch. Now, Ooh. Ooh. I was trying to look at it critically and sort of go through it and whatever, but that's the the issue I kept coming up with was it's it it's a it's a sum of its parts. And I know those parts are carefully crafted, but the but the way they are is such an intricate puzzle piece where I'm like, yeah, everything's just cool. Like I, I I'm not like I'm having a hard time a breaking it down. Different uh, mm-hmm. response, but yeah. I, I'll wait for. Yeah, well, that's just it. Yeah. So like I, 
What do you, what do you mean by that? Like what you're you're are you saying you're unable to articulate how you felt about individual parts of it? Yes, or because, that you felt that it was messy. Uh, but it was messy on purpose, right? Like the, and that I think everything is messy. Yeah, uh, intentionally. And I think that jagged connectivity with all that mess sort of put together in a very smart way, or at least swept into a pattern that's very enjoyable to watch, um, is is the feeling that I got, and I can't really nail it down to like oh, like the cinematography is great or Adam Sandler was whatever like. Those things I know are good, but normally in a film I can be like, I really enjoyed that aspect. That aspect kind of didn't work for me. Like, you know, this, that, and the other thing. This one I have a harder time separating it because every time I'm like, oh, well, I think like all the scenes in the jewelry store were really effective because uh, it felt claustrophobic Whoa. and there was a trap. But then I was like, well, it could have been the score. Like, it, it just it bled all together for me. But, but if you, that's the case, oh, so. then everything's perfect. Though. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't I, want that's the, what you don't it seems want, like you're saying. You don't right? want the cinematography. Like, when I'm shooting a film, I don't 100%. want people to be no, like, no, no, oh, no. The, the movie's okay, what I'm but saying, cinematography is great. It, yeah. and, I'm not using it as a negative yeah. for the film. I'm saying it's hard for me to dissect. Okay. Right. Um, I Again, if we're going on pure, like, what I want out of a film, oh, I got it. Yeah. Like, it was, it was a very enjoyable film. It's just been a weird one to look back on. Would you watch it again? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but at the same time, I'm not like jonesing to. Like I really liked the experience I had, and I'm like, maybe that should be what I have with it. Um, right. But I'm I looking forward. that's for a good thing. If I, if I was the directors and someone told me that, I'd be like, that's good. I think yeah. that's a good thing that you, you – it just kind of all, like you said, all blends yeah. together. And so, but, but what I was really interested in – and uh, Renan, you please go, go next um, – what what was your sort of first impressions? You said you kind of reacted a little bit differently. Um, so my, I went with my family. Uh, it was my. <laughs> it was so. Ooh. Oh, I know his family, and I'm we're, like, this is. I'm, I'm curious. We're very. Um, we're movie buffs. So yeah. like, I went. It was me, uh, my mom, my grandmother. Oh, um, I haven't met your grandma yet. I met your I, mom. Yeah, and uh, my sister and her boyfriend. And my sister wasn't well, the one who was like, "Hey, we're all home for the holiday. Let's go see it." I'm like, <laughs> "You I've didn't been... want to go see Star Wars, <laughs> or or I'm trying to think of other family films. Cats. I mean, cats as well. No, I the mean, bloodier, I... the better. The the more messed up. My family's like, let's do this. The more I'm curious about your grandma. Your grandma. Oh, she loves up? it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We actually the the I think two nights before I showed her Blue Ruin, and she was like, oh, all really? about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So. um we went, uh, and after the movie, I was in my car, and uh, I literally texted you, I think, right after watching. Yeah. I was like, have you guys uh, <laughs> have you guys recorded this? I need to to do it. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want to talk about it. I'm probably not the best person to speak on this no, film, no, but I was like, I just... Well, I tell us tell be. us your gut reactions. Like, well, I, I'm curious about the entire Ripley clan's uh, reaction to this, but, but yours in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, from the get-go, just the scene, when it starts off, like... When uh, you know KG is introduced and, and they're in the shop, and yeah. I'm I, I haven't seen any of this Afty Brothers films before, and I'm like I was confused. I'm like, what's going on here? There's so much going on. Yeah, and like I'm getting nervous, and um, you know, just as soon as the the when he when Adam Sandler leaned on the glass, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, this I'm I'm in. I was in from there. I was like, yeah. I didn't realize quite sure where it was going. Um, it's it was chaotic mm -hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I just I I was it was a roller coaster of emotions and I I I loved it and I I I've been meaning to see good times and I yeah. and I still have to see it but um this solidified that like I'll see any movie that they make after this one hundred percent I think I think if you love this uh you will absolutely adore yeah. Good Time what did the what did the rest of the Ripley family think about oh we all we all loved it Grandma um, Ripley was like all on board everyone was just you know singing Sandler's praise they thought he did fantastic yeah. um I just we all believed like talking now he was snubbed uh, we believe <laughs> um 
my sister's brother-in-law is a big uh, sports fan. I and didn't meet your sister's brother-in-law, I think. I feel like I met yeah, a lot no, of your family. We yeah. did. Yeah. Um, I think it was after screening of La La Turia. I think they came. <laughs> okay, yeah. And they like grabbed dinner with us afterwards. But they, he was into it? Uh, yeah, he's he's a big sports fan, and yeah. he you know likes movies. And he Does was he bet like, a lot? Uh, no, he doesn't. Oh. But um, that was the one time when I kind of got lost. Like I just let it wash over because I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about, yeah. but I know it's betting. Well, so my uncle is a big sports fan and he gambles a lot. And like he could sometimes not as he's not you know degenerate gambler, but he, you know <laughs> when he's watching a game and like he's got money on, like he's, I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, I think Sandler did a great job of just portraying this type of person. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, look, I absolutely uh, adored the film, but I think the, the reason I adored the film is the same quality that I think I saw in um, Good Time, which is that there is this sort of, like, entirely lived-in quality to this film. Like, it doesn't... It, although, uh, as far as they've reported, they wrote 160 drafts of this thing, and it was, like, in the back burner for 10 years. They originally had... They, they tried to get this to Sandler in When did they film it, though? They filmed it last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, okay. But, but they wrote it in 2009. Right. And they tried to get it to Sandler around 2010, 2011. He said... They, he was just, like, a, a flat-out no. And then... <laughs> he uh, said no first? <laughs> yeah, he just absolutely said no. Yeah. Like, like his, I don't think it even got past his agent. His agent was like, there's no way. Yeah. Um, and, and they always wanted to get it to Sandler. They were just, they had him in his mind, in their mind. Um, eventually, they went to Sasha Baron Cohen for a while. They wrote, rewrote it for Sasha Baron Cohen. Then they had to rewrite it for every single basketball player that, that became attached at one point. Kobe Bryant was attached at one point to this. Um, or, and they, they had to write an entire draft for Kobe Bryant. And the thing that they were doing, and I think the thing that makes this work, is that none of these characters feel interchangeable. Kevin Garnett is specifically Kevin Garnett. And like I love the fact that they pitch this to be 2012 in that particular quarterfinal. Yeah. You know, like, and it's it's like a really specific point. It's when, he, you know, they, they didn't pick the final game. They picked the quarterfinals when he had a great game. Um, and, you know, like uh, one of the Safties talks about the fact that he doesn't, re- yeah, as, a, as a sports fan, he hates K- uh, Kevin Garnett because he's a Knicks fan. <laughs> and so he was, and he, and he told Kevin Garnett <laughs> that. But, but there's, a, there's this other quality to it, which is that um, the Diamond District. Like, there's only been a couple of films made about the Diamond District. I think the other one that comes to mind is Sidney Lumet did a film called A, a Stranger Among Us uh, with Melanie Griffith, which is, you know, sit in the Hasidic uh, Jewish community. I believe that's it in the Diamond District because he talks about it. It's really hard to film. I didn't that. know that, but I heard, yeah, they yeah. did a lot of research and they were, for years, yeah. they were just like banging on doors, like, please let us just, yeah. we want to learn. <laughs> we just want to learn. We want to hang out in this neighborhood. We want to feel how it feels. And, um, you know, like to the point, you know, they, they, they capture that sense that when, I don't know if you've ever been to a jewelry store in the Diamond District. It is like, in a way, w- the point of reference to me is like going to Calcutta. It's like, <laughs> it's like this really chaotic, people are shouting at you. There's, stuff happening all the time and you know people are you know treating jewelry like it's this sort of like bartering system you know like it does feel like uh, india in a way like is my point of reference and i think they they capture that so perfectly well um and they also capture there's there's another quality the third thing about this is they capture the sense of what it means to be jewish and in the in the uh in the uh, jewelry uh, uh district you know like it feels very much like these are, you know, like their ethnicity is a real part of who these characters are. Um, you know, so, you know, you go to the family and they go over to Passover and that sort of thing. It's a real part of everything. So every part of the film feels entirely lived authentic. in. Yeah, authentic, lived in, breathed in. But then it's just beautifully chaotic as well. Like it's there's just this sort of sense of, you know, uh, again, to use that word, propulsiveness to the whole thing. Yeah. And the sense of like, we're not fucking around with any of this. Like, like there is no, th- there doesn't seem to be 
any uncertainty to any moment in this film. And, and I thought about that a lot in terms of Adam Sandler's career and why they wanted Adam Sandler. Now, one of the reasons, and you know, obviously they did that A24 podcast with P.T. Anderson, was that, um, was, you know, Punch Drunk Love. And Adam Sandler has this career, which I think has, you know, in some ways been characterized to being akin to Eddie Murphy. You know, like he has that sort of like um, uh, immense popularity post Saturday Night Live. You know, he does things like uh, Happy Gilmore and uh, what was the one where he goes back to school? Billy Madison. Billy Madison, Madison, you know, and that's the name of his production company. And then he's Happy Madison is the name of it. Yeah. And then he populates it with these really interesting projects in the middle of it. So things like the Meyerowitz stories, things like Punch Drunk Love, things like Rain Over Me. I also think Funny People was a Yeah, Funny People as well. Yeah. You know, like he but but there's a if we were to characterize the quality like Adam Sandler as a performer, um, the thing that's always been interesting which I think is crystallized mostly in Punch Drunk Love, is this idea that he is a man-child with the potential for sweetness and rage in like instantaneous drops of hat. You know, like he can he can turn from being really lovely and sweet and happy and stuff into rage, and that's the that's the uh, Billy uh, Billy Madison. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the character once again something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Um, his albums were great his, too. Al- like, his, his his comedy special on Netflix. Me and my is, friends would listen oh, to his yeah. CDs, his skits. Oh, were so just, good. Dollar twenty five, bro. Doing the toll the Boston toll booth. Willie. Yeah, toll yeah. booth Willie. Yeah, but um, for you, a dollar. For you, Bishop, it's a dollar twenty-five. <laughs> I I don't know. I know that what is the what is the one we did was the Count or the Dracula? Uh, did he do like Dracula singing uh, or something like that? Or uh, no? <laughs> are you thinking of, of forgetting Sarah Marshall? <laughs> I am. Yeah, maybe no, no, no. I'm not. He, <laughs> That's a very no, no. I'm, uh, we're gonna have to look this up. But Adam Sandler had a vampire bit. I can't remember what it was. He did on SNL. On SNL, did. yeah, yeah. Um, but so I think the the thing that they're sort of working on there is that energy that Sandler brings to this, which is that you know he can go from zero to a hundred at the drop of a hat. And this film kind of goes from zero to a hundred at the drop. You know, right. like it turns from into this familial drama where it's about like you know uh, missing your kids play. This. Yeah, this to, to like a, a gangster film, like in yeah. in the you know in the same space. And I think if you take out that likability and lovability of this character, like yeah. there are no stakes in mm. you know, and there's really nothing that he does. I'm trying to think like story wise that make him lovable, but I, I don't. Oh, not at all. He's a complete degenerate. Yeah. But it's just it's just Sandler's performance brings this lovability to the character it, that you just you I don't know you just fall in love with him, and even though he's doing terrible things and can making I, mistake after mistake, you still. Sympathize with him. On that point, this comes to my second main half-baked idea. Uncut Gems is what, tonally, Joker should have been. Because you're taking a character that is... All of all of Howard's actions in this film are abhorrent. He's fucking over everybody. He's an obsessive yeah. gambler. He, he, I mean, you'd put that into sort of a, a, a condition that he has. You believe, though, that like he really and thinks you in his mind. And you believe that, yeah, yeah. it. I think yeah. the difference is, is that unlike the Joker, he's not uh, Adam Sandler's character is not consciously trying to hurt people. That's that's true. You know, like he, that. that he his, also, but then I go back to you, the whole what's more evil, trying to trying to actively knowing you're hurting people or not giving a shit that you're hurting people. And Adam Sandler is not giving a shit that people are being hurt. He's just addicted to the rush of trying to win. And, and again, it's different. Like, of course, murder brings a different thing into it. But if you're trying to get the audience on board with with caring about a a um, immoral character. The way this film frames him and the way that it moves 
would be what I would have wanted to see and did not see in mm. Joker. I'm not saying again, they're two very different films, but when I was watching, I was like, this is what this is what it should have been. And then with the eleven Oscar noms. Did you um, love um Heath Ledger's performance? like Heath Ledger's he, I think he's talking about the I'm talking right, about Right, right. The Joaquin Phoenix. The Joaquin Phoenix I'm talking about the okay, Joker, the movie Joker. Right, right. Not 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 Dark Knight. You you back? <laughs> I, I know you're talking about Joker, but I, I don't think that's imp- like you didn't feel that that sense for love for Heath Ledger's Joker. Why why is it important for this Joker? That because Heath Ledger's him? Joker is a Fair is point. an antagonist, and in in the Joker movie, he is the protagonist. There's no question the way the story is framed. The story is framing him as if you'd frame any other character that's the main character of a story. Sure. Uh, and, but there's no redeeming quality by the end. So so and again, I don't want to go too far into this. It was just a half baked idea that I had okay. um, because I think this movie in all of its myriad of, of of messiness, is able to elevate a degenerate, dislikable character to being someone you give a shit about. And uh, on, a, on a primal level, you're like, yeah, yeah I, want, I want him to win, even yeah. though you he's be- horrible. And you believe he's going to win. You know? Yeah, you're, and you're, you're, I think that was the solid quality. He has so much confidence. Like, you you think that he's yeah. he's doing... But, uh, but I... So I think uh, what I loved about it was that it got me into the hid space of... Like, for the first time... Because uh, I'm not a gambler at all. Like I, I don't even like to buy scratch offs or anything like that. That makes me nervous. Oh, you got to do it. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> like I don't like one dollar scratch offs. Um, but then like he's got this quality. The the film gets you into this point where I felt the rush of winning. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, like I felt the rush, and I was like, yes. I un- I understood his character's addiction to it in a way like that. I think you know, like movies about drugs do. You know, like yeah. like you get the rush that they get from it. Right. Um, and it's sort of like. <laughs> It's kind of remarkable to that the film kind of propels all the elements together to make you feel that way. And then the the final thing that I think I was really struck by is that they while they they it's a, it's a they, they directed a music video for Jay Z. Marcy me. M- yeah, Marcy I me. I just watched it. Too. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's got that overhead kind of helicopter shot with yeah. light shining um, sort of feel to it. And and there, there's a sort of um, uh, um, metaphorical quality to that particular shot because it's w- they repeat it in good time. You see it a couple of times in Uncut Gems, not as much uh, in Uncut Gems, but it gives the film a perspective, and and it's most solidified in this film with the intro sequence where we travel from um, from uh, Ethiopia? Uh, Ethiopia, the diamond into Adam Sandler's ass and New York City, and and what what I loved about that is that essentially. What the film was kind of getting at isn't just that this is an you know like who is this guy and what does he want and can we you know appreciate what he is but like to me what the film actually got to by the end is like a search for what does ascension and happiness mean to every single person and for this character like the the, I, the this yeah this will be a spoiler and you know if you haven't seen the movie at this point you should yeah, go out, you should absolutely go out and see this movie but I think the sort of poetic beautiful thing that this film does is it shoots Adam Sandler at the absolute crescendo of his happiness. And it's, ter- you know, like it's, it's... It's it's frozen on his face. It's frozen <laughs> on his face completely. And it's like this, you know, and then we travel back into the gym and it's like this, you know, like the, the gym is this, um, you know, uh, has this power even by, you know, Kevin Garnett kind of believes fundamentally that this gym has this power. And it's like the film isn't just a sort of crime caper. It's, it's um, you know, like uh, when Kubrick did The Killing, that had this sort of existential quality about like what is the nature of, uh, of, um, uh, of greed and, you know, what we want and how, you know, does it all mean anything? And I sort of got that same feeling from this that 
this is actually, despite being like on the boots on the ground kind of filmmaking, has actually got a sort of a higher spirituality to it. Like it kind of feels like it is about like what is the meaning of ascension, and I think that comes through the score, the the that 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 intro sequence, and and everything that this film is trying to do. I was, I was like completely mesmerized by it. I don't know. Like I got that vibe. I got a vibe of that, but I never. I think this is where the messiness actually takes away from it, at least for me. And very minimally. It didn't affect my enjoyment of the film whatsoever. But when we get to that sort of thing, when I'm like, when like the beautiful beginning and end and like exactly sort of what you're talking about, I feel like they, maybe they just wanted a feeling and not a specific, like, I don't know. It, it didn't, because it's so messy, except for the kind of beginning and end, it didn't feel like intentional enough for that. I don't know. It, it, you there didn't was, think it was I, intentional? Oh, of course it was intentional. I'm saying yeah. like, um, intentional is the wrong word. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, like, that was, those were the only moments where I'm like, I get this is trying to say a thing. I don't know if it's a very clear thing it's trying to say, but it's trying to. Like, it, it, <laughs> it didn't... I was more invested in the in the feeling the 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 f- frenetic feeling the film gave and 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 imbued upon me, um, and I could see that they were doing something like that. But maybe maybe the energy distracted me from it. Maybe uh, it's a little bit soft in in that sort of like well they knew they were sort of saying like that they wanted a, a, an aspect of connectivity, but it never felt like that. That never felt like an actual like punctuated point, at least in my viewing of it. Again, that is not uh, a deterrent of the film. It's just sort of, uh, I, I I noticed it, and it wasn't the thing I latched onto. How did you guys feel after that, that you know, that the, scene? The, the shot. The, the, the shot, the, yeah. The like, so like, I, uh, I think I joked with you about this, which is that um, I, uh, so when it happened, I was... Uh, I I gasped aloud. I held my hand in my head, you know, like my head in my hand for like a few minutes afterwards. I was like, you know, trying to, you know, figure out my breathing patterns at that point. And then I, you know, like, and this this is not to not to uh, praise a movie by by putting down another film. Um, but I want I I thought a lot about um, my reaction to the movie John Wick. And I thought a lot about how violence in John Wick, you know, I said this in the, in the review of that, was like completely deadening and I didn't care any time a gun was fired. I, d- I really, it just, it just, the whole thing kind of just kept going and was propulsive and, you know, it just didn't do anything for me. This has one gunshot, which did more for me in a single moment than, than you know, like, you know, and it's not specifically targeted at John Wick, but that John Wick does in three movies. Did yeah, you I'm, see it coming? Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say one gunshot 100% when used correctly is far more effective in a narrative than a trillion gunshots. Like, you just, you do get used to it. There's no question. Yeah. Uh, sorry. So, same question. Did you, like, how did you feel in that? That scene, like, what are you? Were you as devastated as Shahir? I was not devastated at all. Did you see it coming? Yeah, but 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 what I didn't see coming was realizing and noticing in that moment, and then kind of retroactively being like, oh yeah, like my entire audience was on this ride, and this is where I want to sing more praises for this film. Um, again, I go back to my wheelhouse. I go back to Avengers Endgame. Okay. Everyone in that theater that I saw it was super excited for it. It was this big culmination. Like everyone's like whooping and cheering and like gasping and and sometimes crying and et cetera. But that's a movie that was 11 years build up to it and earned what it did. And great. This movie had a very similar level of audience emotional participation. And I was at that moment. 
it was the perfect gas moment. Oh shit! Like and, and like it was not an like no one talked too much. It was like some someone yelled shit. Someone's like, oh my god! Like yeah. there there are these. It was it was such a thing, and I was like, and then I sort of looked back, sort of because I was engrossed in the film. I was like, oh, people have just been like. I, I w- did notice a gasp. I did notice the chuckle. We all had these moments of of intermingling catharsis. Um, and this is a film that pulls that off in one movie. And I was like, Shit. it was it was very rewarding. I had a similar um, you know, example of I haven't really felt that like that feeling when he when he gets shot in the face, I was I was shaking. I felt <laughs> like turned off. I, I wanted to get up and leave. I I, I was Oh, wow. angry i i was like i was sad uh i'd only really felt that once and and it was for uh walking dead i won't say which character sure. but when it happened i was you know it took seven seven seasons to build up to this one moment and i and i was like i felt betrayed yeah it was it was just terrible um and and it's funny because i didn't see it coming at all in this film this film sets i, I think what these filmmakers do uh, in a bunch of these scenes is they set up scenarios where um, you you think something's going to happen. You think they're going to set up a, a typical trope. <laughs> it does, it does. And, and then the opposite happens. Like uh, the scene when um, he's texting uh, uh, Julia Fox, I think Julia her name Fox, is. Yeah. And you, you, like, I don't know about you guys, but I was expecting like something really terrible oh, right, to happen. Yeah, the yeah. scene, like the guys to break in yeah, yeah. and him witness them beat her up or kidnap her. Um, there's the scene. I expected she to be cheating on him with someone yeah. else. Like, yeah, sort of yeah. do the thing. That was just where and, I went. And they they build up these scenarios where you know it it doesn't fall into these like these tropes. And uh, there's a, a couple other scenes. There's the when the gangsters kidnap him. Yeah. And like all they do is just like take his clothes off and put him in his trunk. And yeah. I'm like, that could have went in so many ways. I thought they're gonna break his leg. I thought they were gonna yeah. do something much worse. The familial dynamic there was super fascinating too. Yeah. How it was yeah, what his, his brother in law. Brother in law. Yeah. 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 Um and so for that ending scene, it was just like I was like, you know, the whole time I'm thinking like these are like the worst gangsters ever. Like they really <laughs> haven't done anything. And then that scene I just I was it's uns- it's very unsettling and I commend the filmmakers because I yeah, they did it in like what was, how long is the movie? Two hours and yeah. twenty minutes. Yeah, I love I love that they another sort of red herring that they throw is the whole colonoscopy colonoscopy slash you're all good. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, <laughs> like it was just they they threw enough uh, curveballs at you where a lot of times, except for the, the end, I kind of right. I guessed, but everything like a lot of sort of how things got there or when that moment was going to happen, I had no idea. Yeah. I think for me the thing was is that when 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 he got shot, I was obviously. You know, I gasped and I I was in you know in literal shock. Uh, a friend of mine who's a filmmaker um, uh, tweeted a photo of his Apple Watch um, during the movie. He uh, it had been recording his heart rate uh, the entire time, and it like it starts at like sixty five, and you can see he goes and this is minute twenty, you know, like minute forty of the movie, and it goes up to one hundred twenty for him. Um, so he actually measured his heart rate during the movie, and it's kind of incredible to watch. Um, but but after I kind of like kept my hand in my, you know, my head in my hands for a little while, I was really struck by kind of how poetically beautiful it was that he did get shot and that he died at this particular moment in his life. You know, it was like, ultimately, as as narrative goes, it is like, Perfection, you know, like he yeah. is, he is, he he has demonstrated time and time again that the high of what he achieves from gambling is n- he, no matter how much he wins, he's gonna do it again, right? You know, like right. like he's gonna fuck up at some point again, you know, like he he'll take this this million dollars is not gonna last them, uh, you know, he's not he's not gonna retire and be happy from now on, he's right. gonna go after this again, and so 
the idea that the film kind of exits him at at the highest point that he's ever going to achieve and says that's it for this guy uh, I just thought there was like you know and then and then we travel back towards the gym as well and through you know through this bullet hole into the gym I think that that to me is the poetry of the idea of what ascension is in this movie or what happiness what what the pursuit of joy can mean in this film and it's not like a it's not a morality play uh, it's not saying this is right or wrong it's saying this is this is the moment that that is the most uh, pure that this character has been, you know, like he is manipulative. He try, you know, he's always making the wrong choice. You know, like he he has the opportunity. You know, even even the fact that he got the gym, uh, you know, in the first place, right? You know, like is kind of like uh, he, he's fucked that up so royally throughout the entire thing. The fact that he walks away with one hundred seventy five thousand dollars at all, you know, like he's in the hole, but he's not as far in the hole as he thought he was going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, and means he like, could have just been out of that whole scenario, could've, just could've get been, handed over yeah, that money. There's well, no not really because it was his father. No, but but he's not he's not in the hole for one hundred ninety thousand dollars, which is what he was before. He gets one hundred seventy five back. He's got to but make twenty five. But from his father, he has to pay his father back. He's not. He's, he's got to pay him back twenty five instead of one hundred ninety. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, because he the 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 father fronted the. Yeah, one hundred ninety thousand, and then oh, KG yeah, I see. KG came I and bought it for him for one hundred seventy five thousand. Yeah. So he got, you know, like he was like, okay, I'm kind of making my way out of this, and but he's the one. He's like, he's with KG. KG says something about man, this rock is just like the thing, and that's when he turns. He's like, all right, we're you know like he, I, we can do this. Let's do this. You know, like I, I know everyone out here is saying you're gonna lose. You're not gonna score the points. Let's change it. And he's like trying to swing the fences that way. He's like, you know, he's pushing for this thing and he wants that moment and he and he forces every character into believing his bullshit at that moment and and he wins and that's it for this guy because there is no you know he's going to come down on this roller coaster and he's just going to go back up again so I, I there was a poetry to me the moment of ascension or the idea that this movie has an invested sort of uh, feeling about spirituality or about like just just this broader concept of what this narrative means is the is the fact that he gets shot at the very well, end. Well, he went on on a high note. Yeah. I mean, for him. Right. Uh, yeah, no doubt. That's, uh, I, yeah. It didn't I think, work for you, though. Well, no, no, it didn't. It, did, it totally worked. I, I think I didn't, I didn't take it as a connective sort of, like I guess the, with the term spiritual, I think sort of a little bit more, interconnected i just think it was actually oh no you know what i agree with what you were saying is sort of the more poetic of it where it's like this is the happiest he will ever be yeah no matter what happens the movie has proved that and so in a weird fucked up twisted way for him again another selfish move not he didn't kill himself but like in a, in a purely selfish uh way that is him winning. He's never because it's always going to be an up down up down, and he might like the rush, but like this was the best, yeah. And it'll never get better. And so, well, end on a high note. I think George Costanza said always, you know, always end on a high note. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, he, that was very true here. Brandon, do you want to talk about the cinematography a little bit? Like uh, I do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going back to what I said before, like um, the cinematography fit this film perfectly. Um, they shot on thirty five millimeter. Yeah. Uh, they they shot on anamorphic lenses and the thing about anamorphic lenses is they have a lot of imperfections in them yeah. and um like a diamond like a diamond mm. and uh and you know th these imperfections are something that a lot of cinematographers like you know want sometimes yeah. because it 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 they're it's beautiful the the beauty is in the imperfections um another thing they did with this film too which i thought was smart is they um they pushed the film stop so that g gave it even more grittier of a look more film grain more contrast and that just 
made everything just feel so much more real. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. They, they, it has that quality as well. Was you know like they're shooting on the. Sh- I, I love to when I see this in films because w- w- was when you know that the filmmakers are shooting in a place that's very difficult to film in. Mm-hmm. And I, my eye, because you know like I'm in production, kind of wanders to the extras in the background, and it starts like looking like who's in on this and who's not in yeah. on this. You yeah. know, like and there's there's this quality to it where they're shooting out on the street, and you can see like there's at least three or four people who've just wandered past the set and be like. Is the, are they making a movie here? And like you know, like they kind of you know, but but it there's a I think there's an energy to that that kind of is is beautiful. Right. Um, and I think the fact that it's shot on film as well, you know, where it has that sort of a live quality to it, um, kind of heightens that. Um, the scene uh, in the middle of the movie that I think is just a genius piece of filmmaking, and it it, it is actually uh, uh, it reminds me a lot of a scene from Punch Drunk Love, but like in a sort of stylistically opposite direction, which is in Punch Drunk Love, it's very like um, uh, pronounced, you know, like the camera swoops in into the scene and swoops out again. But it's a scene where like KG is coming back and he has the rock and they can't get, he can't get the door open. Yeah. Oh my you, God, yes. you know, That scene is like, you know, you can feel yourself kind of like every beat is yeah. going wrong and like everything is happening. Yeah. But the, but like, I think for, for Darius, it must've been, it's like a nightmare to shoot because it's a nightmare to get coverage on a scene like that. Because that it, it, it's like one scene, but it feels like it's twelve pages. They didn't. The actors also didn't have marks. Yeah. So it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I was listening to the podcast mm-hmm. with, uh, with um, the brothers talking, and like, it, yeah, it was a, a huge challenge for him, but it, it paid off. It adds to the the energy of the film, and it is chaotic, and um, yeah, it. I, I think that's like it's um, what's bold about that. Uh, is and this is clearly their style, but what's bold about it is it's like they spent nine years making this thing. They've got this money, which is not a huge amount of money, but they've got money to make a movie. They've got a movie star now. And then they're kind of like introducing chaos into their script. You know, like right. they talk about in that podcast, in the I-24 podcast, like um, one of the things, one of, uh, I think, Josh's uh, pit peeves is when people are having conversations in a movie that other people couldn't can't hear. Or aren't supposed to be able to hear, hmm. you know? Like he's, you know, people lean over to one side to have a conversation. He always hates those kinds of things. And so, it, one of the things they described that they did in this film was they, like, they encouraged the extras and all the day players to have fully full volume conversations, so that the two actors who are having this private conversation in front of them actually have to like have the private conversation. Yeah, the the first scene when they're in in the jewelers, <laughs> like I was trying. I'm like, who am I paying attention to? There's yeah. so much going on, yeah. and um. Yeah, I I could see that. Like, if I was like, is this a really bad audio mix? Like, yeah. Wh- like, why can't I hear Adam Sandler? I'm hearing like other people talking over him, and and um, they they also credit that to um, they would like change the script like on the fly, like because <laughs> Adam Sandler would do like a lot of improv. Yeah. Um. So like other actors were, you know would cut off people like <laughs> throughout <laughs> scenes. And it's just like, that's, I don't know how they edited this film. Yeah. Uh, like from an editing point, like how, like it just like, cause one of the, I, I remember I, uh, this is a lesson I learned really, uh, the, the hard way, which was that like, I, as an editor kind of go, well, okay, if we want to ha- hear this piece of dialogue between these two people, we need to get all the extras in the background to shut the fuck up and to like, mm-hmm. you know, mind that they're playing. We're going to build it all up in the edit by like layering all the sounds so that right. eventually we get to it. But then what happens is on set, when you do that, the two people that you're supposed to be filming and concentrating, having a conversation of suddenly feel awkward, but you know, and the conversation gets weird because they're in, they have to do the extension of make believe that you're eventually going to layer back up. Um, and I, I like, I think the thing that they do here, which is the, 
let's solve it in post kind of thing um, is, 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 is difficult, challenging. I don't know exactly how they pulled it off, and I'm not sure I have the cojones to pull it off, but it works. What it makes works you shudder one? the most? What, what three words? What? what? What words make you shudder as an editor? Like, oh, as <laughs> I mean, who fix, fix it, it in post? post? That's yeah. four words. Uh, four, four. Yeah. yeah. Um, the yeah, I mean, the I I liked how everything felt on top of itself. It, it again it has an Altmanist quality. You know, it had a it had a again weirdly enough that this specific aspect had a little women aspect to it. It's yeah. like there's a lot of chaos going on at the same time, but it's it's it felt well. Little Women was planned and scripted. That's the that's the sort of like super plotted out version of this. This was hey everybody. Go and like and that, but for what you're doing and what they're telling, it worked. Yeah. Um, how do y'all feel about the Oscar snubbins? Uh, I mean, I mean, look, we we've talked about the Oscars as every film uh, z-list pundit has. Uh. And we know it's an advertising campaign, and we know it's you know all this stuff, but it's the biggest advertising campaign, and uh, it means a lot to a lot of people. Um, I was shocked again going back to uh, to Joker. Like I would, I I wouldn't have been as shocked if they snubbed this movie if Joker hadn't gotten eleven nominations. <laughs> it just seems weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. My my, I think I've said this before on the podcast is that some movies really benefit from being nominated, and some movies actually benefit from not being nominated and being snubbed and not getting the award. And in my mind, this is a movie that, uh, while it would be great for the Safdie brothers to have their work recognized on that platform and to like be able to do things like they they were slated to do uh, a remake of uh, Forty Eight Hours, the Nick Nolte Eddie Murphy film, yeah. and then they they left that at some point for creative differences. And I was like, I I, unless they were going to do. 48 hours like like they this. would do it. Uh, I'm not quite interested in them conforming to whatever the that version of this is. So is it a golden handcuff scenario? Is that what you're kind of describing? I, I think... I, what Well, I, I don't know about that, but what I think is is that this movie, in a way, doesn't need the Oscar. Well, it also made the most... I think it broke records for A24's like, most financially... Yeah. But I, I, I also think this is a movie that is like, you know, like the snub is kind of like, oh, everyone should go check this out. It's really fucking good. And the people that are like, like, I wholeheartedly recommend everyone who listens to this podcast to go see it without with, without <laughs> reservation. Yeah. And, but I, and, and, and like, I, I, I kind of feel like them not getting the Oscar is just going to be like the story that we say like, oh, you, you know, remember the movies that won the Oscar? Yeah. But did you see Uncut Gems? You know, like, it's just one yeah. of those no. things. I mean, I, I don't have the math in front of me, but I would imagine Oscar nominations tend to lead to more views of your film than Oscar snubbings, especially because it's a longer-tailed story. I mean, Goodfellas, for example, Over Dances with Wolves is a movie that got entirely snubbed and is like now more historically significant than sure. than, uh, than uh, Dances with Wolves. What was like the one category you think, without a doubt, they should have... You sound editing, sound mixing, score. Sound. Okay. I, I yeah. go with all those, but I would also still go Sandler. Yeah. I I I think. I mean, it's it's transformative. If we're if we're looking at acting as literally pretending and and making me believe you are a person. Oh yeah. Like, uh, it, there's no question. It's just weird. His mannerisms, his like everything he did. I, I it's just... weird and like. Ah. Well, the. <laughs> 
I, I like Adam Sandler in this movie a lot. I think he's fantastic. I, I love him when he does these kinds of films. Like, I love Meyerowitz. I love Punch Drunk Love. Who else was nominated? Uh, who else was nominated? Was it uh, Joaquin? Is a, is a uh, look at it up. Leo, yeah. um, you know. Uh, Joaquin is in there. Leo, uh, uh, Brad Pitt. You know, like, all the, all the usual suspects. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I like Adam Sandler in this, but there's a quality to this where it's like, Look how far Adam Sandler, the star, will is willing to go, kind of thing, sure. which um, is great. But I always kind of think about like, oh, if we didn't know, if Adam Sandler wasn't a movie star and wasn't a huge movie star, like, um, That's did we kind of like vest as much in the sort of transformation as much as we vest into like the, the immersion in the character? They normally love that shit. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying from a viewer point of view, like, like oh, I know. we. we the the fact that he is a star is part of the experience of watching this movie. It's part of the experience of like you know uh, of how we view this character is through the you know personage of of Adam Sandler. Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I liked his performance. Did I ever believe that Rick Dalton was a real ca- like? No. Now, granted, the tone is different and like other things, but like, and maybe believability isn't the only. Criteria. The scene with him breaking down uh, in the it, felt like, like a real person. Felt like a person breaking down, but Rick yeah. Dalton doesn't. Fe- it's a caricature. Like it's, it's true. strange. But again, uh, I did not see Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, but I I've love heard. Antonio Banderas, so I'm not going to question that. Then he's playing Pedro Almodovar in that movie. Oh, okay. He's playing a version of Pedro Almodovar. Uh, uh, Ma- Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Shore, Joaquin Phoenix. Here, here's a question for you: uh, Do you think Adam Driver could do this performance? I don't think so. Really? Um, really? I don't because I think I would see Adam Driver in this performance. I don't see Sandler in this performance. Like I see the character he's playing. There's also a humor that he brings to the character that I don't know if Adam Driver. Right. Adam right. Driver's very funny, but it's, it's, it's a different it's not, type. One hundred percent different. Type of humor. Um, it's just strange. Like, and, and I know it's a different category, but Brad Pitt for supporting. Yeah. And again, it's like you didn't play a character. You played Brad Pitt. You were just fucking Brad Pitt. And I love Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's I have great. a theory about Brad Pitt. That What's your he, theory? His best performances are when he's a supporting actor. actor. Yeah. Well, yeah, because okay. he's Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, And the award for most likable human. Like, what? Okay. I, 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 in a in a way, I just I I think uh, you know yes, obviously the the Safety brothers, the, the this film would get would get more eyes, but I think there's a, I guess maybe the way I think about it is that there's a like a a sort of uh, underground quality to this film, like it's 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 obviously not it's a it's a you know it's a studio uh, not a studio film. Do you know what the budget it, was for it? I, I'm not. I'm gonna. We should pull up that pull up the number because I would get I would venture to guess eight. <laughs> I'd go eight. What do you think? Well, what's what's uh, what was the budget for? I'll say fifteen. You gonna go fifteen? Fifteen seems like a good guess as well. Well, some guy on Reddit says it costs between ten and fifteen million dollars. So let's go with that. Brandon, so you win. win. Yeah, you win. This is uh, how thank, you win. Thank uh, BoobTuber94 for uh, for your win. How do you guys feel about the hype for this film? There was like a lot of hype. They released um, uh, for a, a screen test. Oh, really? Uh, for who? Julie Bob Sandler. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see that. That's what I saw first, and I was like, I need to see this. I oh, just cool. think A24 is having a stellar yeah, year. Yeah, A24 you know, is with, great. With the, the Farewell, The Lighthouse, Midsommar, and this. Uh, you know, like, they're just everything that they... I think 
if A24 has two great qualities, it's picking, you know, it's picking and trusting good filmmakers, but also marketing those filmmakers. Right. Like, yeah. like there's a quality to the trailer of this where it's like the Safdie brothers, and you're like, who are the Safdie brothers? You know, like, <laughs> like you but, know, but like, <laughs> yeah, and and I think that that actually c- contributes to that thing that I'm talking about, where there's an underground quality to this film, where it's right. like it's like you got to be in the know to know. Right. You know, like it's like going to see the weekend um, late at night. You know, like in an underground club or something like that. You got to be in the know to know, and that's I what I feel. Love- of, that this film that that's a quality that this film has, which is like yeah. I don't think it needs the the gold. I, I mean, it's great that it would have been great if it got it, but you know, like yeah, this movie's pretty cool. I love that the weekend is in this movie. <laughs> and he's snorting coke. Well, no, I just I just think it's hilarious because like the weekend was hot for like that. Was he moment. high in 2012 though? He yeah. was like just on the verge. He was just on the verge. He got right. hot in like 13, 14. So right. like this is the thing. But then he's like gone now a little bit. Like he's not. I mean, again, I'm not. I don't have my finger on the pulse. But uh, yeah, this, this this movie is really it's such time a spe- specific time capsule as well because it. it's not yeah. that long ago. But yeah. it's like they really were like, okay, we're picking this year. What are the things that are interesting in this year? And it's like I'm sure they might have got an offer to you know like have um, who's a who's a star of the moment to be in this you know to be in this film and they were like no it's got to be the weekend because weekend was just about to break yeah, that's you fun. know like uh Do i think it was hard for them to convince like kevin garnett and the weekend to play no. these character versions of themselves what they uh, I, I listened to another interview with the safties where they talked about the fact that kevin garnett's manager is a real movie buff oh. and had seen their previous movies and was like yeah no we trust and it was is so you know i mentioned earlier that sandler didn't want to you know like sandler's agent was like no we're not doing this movie and then they uh sandler saw good times at Cannes right. and like texted them right away and was like and was like hey uh it's uh he he says something like it's uh sandler i heard you want to do a, a your movie good times amazing and and Josh uh, or whoever got the text didn't you know doesn't have his name on his phone he's like he thought it was another Sandler and he goes which Sandler are you talking about and Sandler says the famous one <laughs> and then he you know like and and like for not for for essentially like turning down this film 10 years ago he was like all in to yeah. do it this time and and he, again you got to think about Sandler where he is in his career like he made he was the first star to jump on the Netflix train um, so he got in on Netflix and like um, there's a great book The Big Picture which talks about the fact that movie stars weren't getting those like 20 million dollar contracts anymore and Sandler was the guy who was like okay I'm going to jump over to the streaming service first and that's where you know he, yep. he signed a six picture deal with uh, Netflix to make like and they were like and they're the, not all great um, most of them are like completely forgettable but like the do over I will murder say mystery, murder mystery well here's ridiculous the thing with murder mystery six? murder mystery I still remember I think murder mystery is a solid comedy Right. Like it's, I was I was shocked at the quality of murder mystery. Uh, I would suggest anyone who wants like a fun, just a lighthearted uh, film to go and watch murder mystery. It's fun. Uh, but, but do you think like they're, they're like? Do you think when they did the do over that they were like you know th- they had a six movie deal with them, so they were just like let's just turn out six movies yeah. and and one I mean a broken clock right? yeah like uh, Adam Taylor has had a great sort of time on Twitter about the snubbing and all that jazz. Um, uh, I love that. The, that it, the yeah he goes bad news Sandman got no love from the Academy. Good news Sandman could stop wearing suits. Congratulations to all my friends who got nominated, especially Mama, of course, talking about uh, Kathy Bates who played his mother in Waterboy. Uh, and that was super lovely. He also said on Stern um, that if he didn't get nominated and he got snubbed, uh, he would get revenge by making the worst film he possibly could. <laughs> Jack and Jill part two? Uh, maybe. Part three, just skip two. Uh, so I, I don't know. He's he's a, a GD delight. He, he, he is lovely. I, I like all the bit players in this movie as well. Like uh, the the actor who plays his brother, uh, Eric Bogosian, uh, is just, he's just... 
if any film has managed to capture what the life after the Sopranos would be, it's this film. Like, like it really. I, this is Long Island, not New Jersey, I think, right? But I, I'm not even sure. But there's a there's a feeling to this, like there's, there's just a, a sort of a quality to every actor in this thing that feels entirely real yeah. and you know believe Yeah, they're not they're they're gangsters but also, they're not. Yeah. You know, Sh- they're family. Shout yeah. out to Julia Fox and Adina Menzel mm. uh, also as well. Uh Julia I, Fox is amazing. Well, like killing it in these roles that like could very easily be underswept but yeah, it were, sure. were never were. Yeah. yeah. Um I also kind of, well, I don't know. I like in the story outside of the gangsters everyone else and and Howard himself Everyone else like was kind of a good person almost. Yeah, she Julia Fox like really loves yeah, him. You, you she believe, really loves Howard. I didn't understand it. Like, yeah, I, I didn't yeah. understand it either. I, but I was like, but I yeah, I guess yeah. she does love him. You know, like when she comes when she turns up with a tattoo, and I was like, yeah. oh, I, I guess so. Yeah. You know, the like, scene where he breaks down, and starts crying. I was like, yeah. and he shows him the tattoo, and I was just, so <laughs> yeah, good. And yeah, because at yeah. that time I was like, oh my god, she got the tattoo. I was like, oh, and I was Jesus. just impressed too. I, I just liked how the character. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I believe it because I think there is something about Howard as he's this larger than life person, and mm-hmm. like he, he is he though. Yeah, I, I, he did, sucks you in. He, you, you he know sucks I, you into. You, you know what I felt really lived in about this character was that I felt like ten years ago he was the king of the. Uh, oh, uh, of, of he was the at his prime. Ten he years was ago. Yeah, yeah, ten years ago he was the king of the of the diamond district, yeah. and now he's got like this little shop where he's like he's hawking his fur, you know, his furbies and kind of thing right. to, to whoever comes and, in. And this new gem is like his next. Yeah, he's gonna put him back. Yeah, this is what's gonna put him back on the block yeah. kind of thing. But it, like, I, I don't think it's ever explicitly said that way, but you get a feeling that like he's I guess, past yeah. his prime. Sure. Right? You know, like yeah. he, he isn't quite there anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love, um, I, I love all those performances around the film. I love like, uh, the 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 distinction between what he does and what the high end auction is as well. Like you know, he turns up to this auction and he's like, he's been you know really gunning for this gym and it ends up at the back of the catalog with like an amend a, a, a praised amendment. You know, like and I was like, and he has yeah. the women like going through taking it yeah, out. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. Like, we'll just take yeah. this one out. You know, and you can see with all his jewelry and everything. I I've definitely seen guys like this in the in the uh, in the diamond district. I was gonna say we've all you go seen to the diamond district a before. lot. Well, we work around the corner from it. Oh, I guess. You know, you don't walk through there, pick up your lunch around the food trucks on Not 47. Really. 40 no. I could see, though, like Hollywood being like, oh, yeah, this character should be played by like Leonardo DiCaprio or someone. And like someone really good looking and like, oh, we can't dress him in this because it's not cool. And like, yeah. it, like they, they really want to like, Create this character who felt like he belonged in this place. Okay, he look, he's dressing like Lando yeah. Calrissian. I, I mean, yeah. I got I, you know, like without saying it, the 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 Jewishness of it all is very apparent. And you know, the Safdie brothers are Jewish as well. But like, it's it's all it 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 like feels culture? like caricature, caricature, but it's like it's very authentic. I would argue yeah. that it doesn't feel like caricature. I think that's why it works. I I think it it feel like. Uh, Authentic and caricature don't. That's quite... what I said, which is that it feels like it could be caricature, oh, but it's sorry, very authentic. Be. I'm sorry, yeah. I misheard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think authentic authenticity is the name of this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah. Hey, if you haven't uh, been bought by this uh, last hour and some change, maybe you should you should go see Uncut Gems. Maybe. maybe. Uh, it, it's. I mean, uh, I'll 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 you know kind of sum it up. I I haven't been quite this exhilarated in a movie and i'm just excited by all the movies we've been seeing in the last few weeks by the way like marriage fun. story little woman than this i'm just like the the there's such a sort of excitement about being in a movie theater to see this like do a double feature of this in parasite and you'll just see oh, an audience kind of like explode yeah just just ha- you know like 
completely be taken on a ride and like not know where to go. I was like, this is, I, I, this was a film. Normally I do kind of, I'm aware of time when I'm watching a movie. I'm kind of like aware that a half hour has passed. I'm aware that an hour has passed. And then I'm always aware that like, oh, we're coming to the end now because it's like kind of been an hour and a half. Sure. This is a film where I was like, I don't care how much time is gone. I kind of just love being here. You know, like I love being in the movie yeah. theater at this moment. And I don't, I, I hope this just keeps going for a while because I'm really digging it. There hasn't been a lot of movies that have gotten me this excited. Uh, to Matt's point, like um, they crammed a lot of story and character into such a short time. And I feel mm -hmm. like I've been more attracted to television these days because I want to see these story arcs. I want to see risks being taken. Um, and I just, I feel like I haven't really been getting that out of films lately. Um, but this movie like did it for me. It did all the things I wanted. Um, it shocked me. It made me sad. It made me laugh. Um, I just, yeah, I'm still excited to talk to people about it. I'm, I'm like telling everyone, go see it, go see it. Go and go see, see it. it in a movie theater, right? Yeah, like, no, like, no, that's you, that quality. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been having a lot of bad movie experiences lately where people are talking or texting. Same. Um, and luckily this time around, like no one bothered me. Yeah. This, um, yeah. this movie demands attention yeah. and not in an obnoxious way. Yeah. And that is rare and that is effective. And I think that is why the theater-going experience for this film is as good over across the bar as as and, and, you know the other films that we've seen. I've all had sort of like, like fuck Star Wars and Cats for different reasons the last time. Like just we're bad audience. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, everybody listening, this has been the only podcast about the film Uncut Gems. Brandon, hey, hey, hey! Thanks so much for coming on. Did it, buddy. Thanks for having me. Good job. Oh, uh, when do I get my paycheck? Oh, uh, so you, you, you know, you so multiply it. So here, here's the deal. It's it's, it's a, a zero yeah. thing, we, but we, we multiply work, it by how many guys. good points you and made. You made about five or six good points, and we worked to scale, which is sort of a different thing as well. So you actually owe us, us. Uh, thirteen dollars and fifty-seven cents. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's about the price of a coffee in New York City. Yeah. So <laughs> yep, yep. Go off to do that. Uh, where can folks find you and your good work? Um, you could find me on my Instagram handle, Brandon James Ripley. Uh, or my website, www.brandonripley.com. That's B R A N D O N R A P L E Y. You got, uh, we should be making, we should make another movie together, right? Uh, I've been saying this for a little while. Well, you're now. directing now. Like, am I going to have to shoot your film? You're uh, not going to trust me to shoot your movie. I would like you to maybe edit for me. I have an really? idea. I have an idea. I think I'd make a great DP. I have an idea. I'd like, I'd <laughs> swagger on set. I'd be like, hey, put that 6K over there. You, move that. Oh, you want me to operate? Yeah, yeah, yeah put no, that I floppy. Don't, I don't do that. Yeah, put, uh, put a floppy up <laughs> over here. <laughs> Shahir, I think you've got too much director brain to DP. Um, but here's, I have an idea. Okay. What if. And you could say no to this, Brandon. Okay. What if Shahir <laughs> and I, we, we put, <laughs> this is the dumbest idea ever. If we make like a micro budget idea, right? So, like, let's say even like $500. Podcast. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Shahir has $500 and I have $500. And you are the DP for both films. And we come up with it and we have a contest. <laughs> oh. What's the way? What's the contest? I don't just, it's like we have our own like film off. Yeah, but what's the contest? We do we have to make the film? We make we a film, to, and then we can have people vote we have which people, one's better and then oh, vote on the podcast, right? And you have to shoot it all in, and then you can record people's like one minute reviews. <laughs> we make sure that the the technology that we well, or we we could do it a couple different ways, and this might be a long term, maybe later in the year if we wanted to do it. But it'd be great if we had like the same crew, just the only the only same crew, same budget, same equipment. The only difference is us. Uh, there's a there's same a script. 
No, 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 okay, no, different no, script. Okay. no, no. Yeah, there was a there was a t- uh, a stars TV show called The Chair. Ooh. Where they had the same same script, but they had uh, and you know similar crews, but they basically gave it to two different directors and said, you know, like you can do whatever you want with this. And one turned out, uh, one was uh, who's that YouTuber Shane Dawson was, oh. one, was one of them, and he won controversially because uh, who was his producer? It was the guy who played. Um, uh, Spock in Star Trek. Uh, Z- oh, Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto was one of the producers, and Zachary. It's it's an amazing. Oh, I do kind of remember this. You can get this entire show for like four dollars on Stars, and I, I I was on a long flight, and I I watched the whole thing, <laughs> and it's it's really addictive television. It's really well made as well. But Zachary Quinto, like Project Greenlight. It, it's made by the same guys as okay. uh, Chris Moore, you know, from Project Greenlight. He basically wanted to take the concept in a slightly different direction, but basically okay. two teams, uh, same script. Go off and make the film. One uh, uh, makes a kind of like you know prototypical kind of indie Sundancey type, right. you know, coming of age film. And then Shane Dawson makes this like complete gross out comedy um, out of the same material. And and Zachary Quinto actually walks out and says, "I have to take my name off that because that is the most disgusting thing I've ever <laughs> seen." That's in my amazing. Life. And then Shane Dawson wins it. Um, and wins whatever the pri- you know the arbitrary prize was, but n- nobody saw either of these movies. Right, no, right, like, right, right. Bo- I think both of these movies got like ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Moral of the story: uh, Email us in onlymoviepodcast <laughs> at gmail Tell me, if, tell us if you think we should do this dumb idea like sometime in the I'm, summer. Let's do it. Um, uh, Shahir, when you are not. Talking about our guest's dick at the very beginning of the show. Where <laughs> can folks did, find you? We never did find out if you're uncut or not, but um, you can find me at my website, www.shahirdow.com. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Brandon. You don't need macaroons that, for that? That, that I, zip sound <laughs> effect you made with your mouth was very convincing. I don't know if I can direct you as a cinematographer anymore. I'm going to have to stand in the back of the room. Do you feel intimidated? I do feel intimidated. Jesus Christ. Can you put that away? Just... This got weird. I didn't mean for this to happen. (laughs) Go to my website at (laughs) www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com for more dick jokes and less good movies. Matt, when you are uh, debating the distinction between uh, film and movie, and actually I did find the David Fincher quote, so we'll, we'll read that after this. Where can people find you? You can find me dispelling bullshit at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L dot com for my life and works. Also, Skelter, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and P-S-N or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. By the time this comes out, I believe we will have released our first episode of the Haitian Revolution on Extra History, which is a fascinating and terrifying and amazing story from history. Please go check that out. Also, uh, we just released a couple fun episodes. Uh, Last week, we did a, I don't know if, uh, I know you both play video games a little bit uh we did a thing on escort missions when you have to like uh, take like a GTA. character from one thing to another and it's annoying because uh. it's never quite done right and we, we kind of like fix that problem okay. so uh go go check that out oh also uh the day after this comes out we're doing an extra sci-fi on ursula k Le Guin and the left hand of darkness which is dope as fuck she's so good that's so, your short film idea the escort a film about an escort, escort mission. Escort mission. Yeah, <laughs> nice. That would be pretty funny. Done. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. What's that quote? Shane? Okay. So here's uh, what David Fincher says about the distinction between film and movies. Fincher. Uh, this is an article that was written about him, and he talked about this. But it says Fincher divides his work between movies and films. By his definition, a movie is overtly commercial, engineered for the sole pleasure of the audience. A film is conceived for the public and filmmakers. It is more audacious, more daring. I would concur. Yeah. I don't. They're I, kind of describing the same thing, just one more in a pompous way. 
I don't know. What? I just I can't agree with it. I'm sorry. I can't. But with the, but we've been we've been yammering. We can we'll go back. I mean, this is something that we're going to be doing this for a while. Here we can keep coming back. We're like the Joker and Batman. You would say exactly. Yeah, uh, this only, dance is going to go on for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the killing joke. Uh, um, Brandon, zip up. Uh, you can unzip again okay. if you want this, uh, this, while we're doing this. Next week. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. No, I'm kidding. We're not doing that shit. I, don't, I wonder uh, if we should. Why? No, that was a joke. Bill Jeebery. Is it Bill Jeebery of a vulture wrote, this is not, a, this is anti-cinema. I don't want to <laughs> do it. You wanted to do Cats, motherfucker. Cats is amazing <laughs> and terrible and an interesting conversation. Stephen Gagum, the director. Do you think they're doing Doolittle for the money or I, for like, the is it a producer's? Is it a producer situation? Like they want it to flop you know, so bad? Do you know who the director is? Stephen Gagum, who directed, uh, yeah. who wrote uh, Traffic, won an Oscar for it, I believe. Uh, wrote and directed Syriana. The, does anyone remember the George <laughs> Clooney? Fuck yes. George Clooney, Matt Damon vehicle about, the oil, oh, come on. about the oil war um, uh, back, you know, this, I think it was a 2006 movie or something How like quickly that. We forget. And now is doing this $175 million post Avengers first, you know, Robert Downey Jr. movie, a movie after the Avengers. With a star studded cast. Yeah. Uh, you know, Camille Nanjiani is an ostrich. I believe Jason Manzukas is a duck. Maybe um, my eyes are just glossing over <laughs> while you're describing it. No, I, 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 I I'm curious. I, I really, it, it's one of those things where I don't really want to do it, but I'm so curious because the reviews are are so vitriolic that I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's worth just checking out to see what they mean. Um, I don't want to do there, it. But I'd also, there's, okay, here's the other thing. It's coming up to the end of the year. We definitely have to get our best of review before June this year. We could uh, we, we could do that next. No, no, because there's still a few other movies that I want to add that we haven't. We uh, can't add all of them So because we, we do have to get it out soon. Are there any movies that you want to add? 1917 I'd like to add. I would like to add Atlantix, uh, which is on Netflix right now, which is streaming. Um, how so about that? And how about this? Okay, then let's let's do this. Those are our two movies. Those are our two. We we each get to pick one, and then we have to do our best of of the year because it's already twenty twenty. <laughs> it is twenty twenty. Anyway, we've been yammering. We we should stop. I'm having... No, no, let's just keep going. No, let's not. Uh, Brandon, thank you so <laughs> this, much. This episode has been uncut. I gotta oh. go. <laughs> uncut podcast. Cutting it. Podcast. Say goodbye. Bye.